Welcome again, and uh, we're going to be on uh, Proverbs 26 this morning, if you want to turn there. Proverbs 26. I was going, going through this, and uh, I call this sparrows, donkeys, and other fools. But it caught my eye this week, and, uh, <laughs> and mine right, right before yours. But, uh, you know, as, as we ended last week at the end of chapter 4 of Revelation, and I want to come back and, and get to that and, and get through a lot of those other ones. But I thought, man, we've been six months away from anything else. And so for a little bit, I wanted to uh, divert get to some practical life applications of some things and some advice for us and just common sense things and, and teaching about Jesus and, and our Savior too. And uh, so I thought we're going to take a quick diversion away from here. And uh, Proverbs 26 caught my eyes. And uh, it's kind of about everything that Jesus was trying to tell us in, in those letters to the seven churches in Revelation when, when he was always telling us to persevere and to keep at it. And he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So those things, let's, let's put some of these. How do we applicate this? How do we make it a part of our walk of life each day? And that's what we want to do. So if you're there in 26... Uh, we'll get ready to, to start there in a second, but let's, uh, before we do, let's take a moment of silent prayer to prepare our minds and our hearts for what we're about to study, and then I'll close this out and we'll begin. Father, as we humbly approach your throne of grace this morning, we're thankful that you have communion with us and say that we're even two or three are gathered together. You know, I'm in your midst. And, and so, Father, we're so thankful that you want to be here and to be a part of worship. And we invite you in and we invite you to open up our eyes and our ears and our minds that we can understand your word Help us to realize that we need it. It's our daily bread. It's our, our manna. It's what nourishes the spiritual person. And so, Father, we pray that the things that we study today will be a blessing and, and a source of encouragement. And we pray that we will take it with us as we go in our life this week. And we pray that you will challenge us with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 26. You know, Proverbs is taught in what's called a distich. And that's a word that just simply means like a two-line poem. And so the first line usually illustrates the doctrine that's taught in the second line. And it was taught on a teenage level uh, with this two quick lines so that you can understand it. It'll stick with you. And it's something that's easily remembered as you go. And... uh as we, as we go through here, you'll see how they, they flow back and forth. Uh, David wrote a lot of these, actually, and they were for his sons, like Solomon. And then Solomon actually kind of wrote them down 
as they had been taught, and the Holy Spirit moved him to to bring these things to us. And a, a proverb is just a wonderful way to give you knowledge and enlightenment of God's Word. Um, it was wrote to the teenagers in two lines because they had a, a short attention span. Unlike you and I who are... Uh, what, what was we talking about? <laughs> no, most of us do have short attention spans, don't we? So it, it goes right along. So if you're there with me, let's try to crack this thing open and see what we have here. Proverbs 26 talks about... Uh, Three types of foolish believers in the whole thing. We're only going to get to the first part today. But there's the plain old fool who lets their emotions kind of run away with them. And then there's Proverbs in the middle of this that talks about a lazy, a slothful type of a person. And then finally it'll end up with um, a person who likes to exercise the strongest muscle in the body, the tongue. And... uh, so if you're there with me, let's, let's read verse 1 together. As snow comes in the summer and rain at a harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Hmm. <laughs> they must have had some sharp teenagers, didn't they? To be able to understand these types of things. The next one's going to talk about like a flitting sparrow and a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause will not alight. Man, Teenagers were sharp in those days, but let's, let's go on. Let's get this right off the bat. First of all, snow in summer. That's abnormal, isn't it? Rain at harvest was abnormal. They are built around an agricultural society, so they understood this. See, over there in Israel at this time, Lily and Ford and GM and J.W. Jones, they hadn't built plants over there yet. So what they did was they farmed to be able to to live and survive and to move on to the, to the next day and to the next year. They were a farming community. So a lot of these things that they dealt with, with to make illustrations, was around farming. And here it says, like snow in summer. We understand this because Perrigan is a farming community too. And almost all of us grow some kind of garden. I know some folks have big gardens, some small. Some like to grow flowers and put them around and see the beauty that comes up. But let me ask you something. Let's say in another couple of weeks, about the time that your prized tomatoes are just getting ready to ripen and your flowers are blooming, what would happen to your garden if we got six inches of snow It dropped down to about 20 degrees and we stayed in the freezer for a week or two. What's going to happen? Everything's going to die, isn't it? There's not going to be any tomatoes. My Paul Robeson black tomatoes aren't going to make. My Blue Lake green beans won't come up. Everything's going to falter. There'll be no harvest, will there? What about all of the the farmland out here? Let's say... All the people who have soybeans and the corn. About a couple of days before you're going to fire up the combine. And go out there and make that harvest. Rainy season sets in. Let's say we get one of those floods and it rains for two or three weeks. Can't get out there. It molds. It it dies. The harvest goes away. How does it make you feel? 
First of all, you'd be anxious. You'd, you'd get upset. You might even be a little worried about what's going to happen for the next year because you had all of your, your time, your money, your effort invested into this harvest and that tied you through to the next year. Well, think about these folks when, man, they didn't have refrigerators and freezers and the things that we have. I mean, they lived literally day to day and year to year by these things. What happens when something abnormal comes? But the point to all of this is, is that there's not supposed to be snow in summer and rain at the harvest. Those things are abnormal. They, they, they just aren't right, are they? And that's the point of this verse is that snow in summer and rain at harvest hinders your production. It keeps you from realizing the fruit of your labors because something abnormal is happening. So now, this is what a fool is like and the life of a fool then. That's what it's being compared to. The first kind of a fool is a general one that Psalm uh, 14 and 1 begins with that says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. So the biggest type of a fool is one who says there is no God. If you are here today and that is a picture of you, I don't want you to be that way. The Lord doesn't want you to be that way. Will you not change your mind? Will you not say that I want to become a Christian? I want to follow God. I want to be productive in this life and also in the life to come. If at any point you decide that you want to come to Christ, you just come on up here and tell us and we'll stop everything and we will make that happen. If you need to talk about it sometime, come and see us. Come and see me. We will talk about it because the first thing is, is we want you to become a Christian. Most of the folks here though are Christians. So how does it apply to us with, with being a fool then? Well, Proverbs 1 and verse 7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So according to the word of God, the fool is one who doesn't want to hear things about their life, do they? They don't want instruction. They despise wisdom and instruction. In other words, I got this whole thing about life figured out. I don't need any help. And I want to do what I want to do. The word of God says that that is someone who is like a fool. Verse 22 of that same chapter says that scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Do you know that folks that are designed that way love to just be scornful and to put things down? He says that's part of being a fool and they hate knowledge. What about Psalm 12? It says that the way of a fool, the one who doesn't understand and desire to walk and be instructed in the word, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But the one who actually heeds the Lord's counsel is wise. And if you'll remember a few weeks ago to one of the churches, it says that the Lord said, I want to be your counsel. I want to be your counselor. He desires for us to learn through here to be the counsel for our walk of life, but fool 
despises that. Chapter 10 and verse 18 says that the lips of the righteous, the one who gives the words of instruction, feed many, but fools die for a lack of wisdom. And then finally, in chapter 18 and verse 2, it says that a fool has no delight in understanding, but their delight is in expressing their own heart or their own way. So these are a few examples of what the Scriptures call a fool. One who wants to walk in their own ways, talk and teach the things of why their life is right, but they refuse to listen to instruction from the Word of God for their life. And I know that none of us want to have that in our life. So let's look at what part of being a fool then is illustrated as. Proverbs 26 and 1, our text, if you're there again. Like snow in summer and rain at a harvest, so honor is not fitting for the fool. And the word honor there means not only just wealth and prestige, but it it talks about being a noble person. One, you remember a song a while back that said, He ain't heavy, he's my brother. You talk about somebody that's a, a heavy weight is someone who carries clout who is respected and that's what this word means someone who has noble honor the ways of a fool is not noble and honorable they don't follow God's path and design for their life and it says that that person will have snow in summer and rain at the harvest in other words you'll have no productivity You won't be able to bear spiritual fruit in your life to others. But you're also going to have problems in this life as well, in the walk of life. And you look at people that you work with, people that's your friends, your family, and just watch them and see those who aren't led by the instruction of the Word of God, how they interact and how there always seems to be some kind of a problem going on in their life. They ruin their productivity by not walking inside the lines. How do we come to that conclusion? How, how do you make, make that illustration? Well, the next verse, verse 2, tells us that. It says that like a flitting sparrow and a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. Wow. Anyone want to try that one on for size? <laughs> what that's trying to say? Well, here's what it's saying. We got two different kinds of birds here. We're all like birds. You got a sparrow and a swallow. And we got to know a little bit about their behavioral characteristics to know what this is really saying. Let's take the sparrow first, for instance. There's something I didn't know about these little guys as I started studying them this week when this passage caught my eye. Did you know that sparrows really get a little crazy? They become angry. They're easily annoyed and, and get upset and start fluttering around. And I almost just skipped this verse and this lesson because as I look out, there's none of us that are like that, except for me. It only applied that way, that none of us are easily annoyed, get upset about things and go flittering around and have a quick temper. But let's go ahead for kicks anyway and go on through this. Now, these birds are something else. They get all kinds of angry over the littlest things. You see, what they're designed to do, a sparrow, is to be on the ground and pick seeds. They pick, pick, hop here, float there. And that's what they're supposed to do. 
their brown and grayish colorings is like a camouflage for the ground with the weeds and, and the sticks and things so that that's where their safety is and that's where their productivity is. But what happens with these little guys, their little bird brains get angry and annoyed. And when another little sparrow comes over in his seed patch or lights in his bird bath when he's taking his little shower, they like to get all upset and it says that they go flittering around. You know what flittering means? That means you come at one another and you start going... Have you seen the sparrows when they go and then all of a sudden they just start getting a little higher and higher as, as they start going after each other? That's what this says. And it says that that's what we do when we let our emotions get us carried away. We're like a flittering sparrow that gets excited and then goes after the other guy like a World War II fighter pilot. You know, we start doing this and that. and We flitter and float up into the air. And you know what happens there? They got full of themselves. They let all of this emotion take over. And now they're up away from their safety. Away from what they're supposed to be concentrating on and doing and what their mission in life is. And they've exposed themselves to the world, to all the other birds. Look at me. And they're up there and each one's trying to get a leg up on the other one. Oh, he's not going to say that about me and come at me. I'm coming back. And when you expose yourself up into the air, guess what's waiting on you? The enemy. The sparrow hawks. The ones, the birds of prey who are not seed eaters, but meat eaters. And they're just sitting up there waiting for the fool to go flittering about. And when you get distracted by these kind of things, your anger... Your annoyance, people bothering you, and so you get distracted and you focus on that, you lose attention to what you should be doing, and the enemy is up there watching and can just swoop in while you're distracted and unaware of what's going on, and he can grab a hold of you and take you out. And that's what happens with these sparrows when they go flittering around. And now, the swallow. The swallow is a whole different kind of bird. Instead of being just on the ground and trying to hop around and pick seeds, swallows are fast-flying birds. Man, they're acrobats. They dart and they go. They like to get into places that they shouldn't be. I had a meeting at Wellspring last week, and in the chimney you could hear them. You can hear the swallows and the chimney sweeps in their chirping whenever the nighttime comes they get all around everywhere where they're not supposed to be sticking their nose into they fly through barns they like them real well they like my garage i've been battling two all week every time i like to leave the garage door open so i can go out and work and do the stuff we're supposed to do and i got these two swallows that stay in there all the time in and out and i'll shoo them out and next thing you know they're back in do you know swallows even go to church sometimes? A couple weeks ago at the pantry, had the doors open, bringing the food in. Next thing you look around, there's two swallows sitting on the basketball goal back there. We tried to get them out. We opened up every door. I grabbed basketball and dodgeball. I throw at them. Yeah, right. 
like I said, these guys are fast and they dart. You know what the word for flying there is in the original language? It's oof. It describes what they do. Flying is, they're like little fire pilots. And I'd pick up something and before I could release it, gone. He's out of the way. One finally made it out of the church, but the other one stayed back to guard the fort. And you know what happened? Next day, he was found laying on the ground and had to be carried out. You know why? Because swallows, their curiosity, their desire for happiness, danger, something new, not being content, they're always into something they shouldn't be. And that darting around and spending all of that energy actually takes too much out of them sometimes. And the word for this whooshing around and stuff actually means also to like faint, pass out, or expire into the darkness because of all the energy you've expended looking for happiness and danger and going where you shouldn't have been going. So, then what happens is, sometimes we're like these birds, aren't we? We seek a little something different. We're seeking happiness. There was a, another song, a country song of old, was looking for love in all the wrong places. Um, you know what I'm talking about. We're not always content. We're always seeking something else. Happiness is just around the corner. Where can I find it? And we expend all of our energy on that instead of what God has designed us to do. Here's the description then it says. Like a flitting sparrow and a flying swallow, so a curse without cause shall not alight. In other words, what that is saying is, is that when we do these things, whatever the results are from our flittering or our flying, whatever happens didn't happen without cause. You're going to reap what you sow, in other words. I may try to blame it on someone else or something else, but in reality, if you look back, like a flitting sparrow and a flying swallow, Usually whatever happens is because I reaped a little bit of what I sowed, wasn't it? So, the other analogy is like snow in summer and rain at a harvest. Something unexpected happens that's not supposed to be there and it ruins now by being like a sparrow and a swallow. It ruins my productivity I usually have some problems that arise in life because of it. And my witness for Christ as an ambassador for him is gone. Now I've rained on my harvest and snowed on my fields and there will be none. Lead me to Christ. Someone who's watching the sparrow and the swallow. The fool who is not um, walking the way that they should. And then you go and be a witness to Christ. You know what they would tell you? I know what I would say. It's like, seriously? Here's a mirror. Happy birthday. Take a look at yourself first before you talk to me. Remember Jesus talked about removing the big log from your eye first before you start 
pulling a splinter out of someone else's eye. In other words, your harvest is not going to be very good. You've ruined that, Mr. Sparrow. So, how do we correct this? How, what's the proper thing that we want to look at then? If we got a headstrong fool, well, it says we got to get their attention. Verse 3 says that there's a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. You know, there's no joke about how do you get a, a mule's attention Well, you put a two-before across their head. That's how you get their attention. Sometimes it's the same way with us. We're a little hard-headed, aren't we? And it takes us a little while to grasp onto something. You know, I don't want all of that trouble. I don't know about you, but you look at the other proverb there that a wise person can be rebuked and take action, but a fool can be strapped a hundred times across the back and still not get it. I don't want that. I don't want the Lord continually having to whack me across the back. So what do we do? Well, as we get ready to close, if you want to turn to Galatians 5, we'll close with one of the greatest chapters in the Word of God. It's a chapter that gives us the works of the flesh versus the the way of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, it goes into detail about this walk of life that we have. And in verse 13, it begins like this. For you, all of us, brethren, you've been called to liberty. Only don't use liberty as an opportunity for your flesh. Through love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You will love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're like a sparrow... And you bite and devour one another. Beware lest you be consumed by one another. Doesn't that sound a little bit like what we was talking about? Get a little jealous. Get a little envious. We get mad. Somebody got in my pool. And we go flittering around. He says, no. You're going to have to tie that down. You're supposed, the harvest, the walk is supposed to be loving each other and helping each other. So, how do we fix a sparrow syndrome? Well, look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These things are contrary to one another, so that you don't do the things that you wish. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So what's it saying there? In other words, if you're a new creature in Christ, you've been born again. You've been born of the water and the Spirit, as Jesus said. So now you are a new spiritual creature. But your old flesh is still there. We're still in this body that we was born with. And the two are opposed to each other. The fleshly nature wants to do what it wants to do, but the spiritual nature is saying you're supposed to do something different. You're supposed to walk in the Spirit now. They are contrary to one another. So you've got to bridle yourself. You've got to crucify yourself to this. Look at verse 19. The works of the flesh are evident. These are the things that are displayed through that. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, 
Outbursts of wrath. Check that one off. I never do that. Selfish ambitions. Never. Dissensions. Heresies. Envy. Never. Murders. Drunkenness. Revelries and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand. And I've told you in time past. That those who practice these things. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Face it. It says the works of their flesh are evident in these. This is what. The flesh desires to do. This is what the war that's going on inside of you. These things want to show themselves. You've got things like the sexual situations. You've got idolatry. You know what idolatry is? Anything that you put higher than God so that you do it instead of serving God. Anything like that can become your idol, your master, the one that you your flesh wants to to serve it become a, a more powerful force than what the spirit is telling you the way that you need to walk sorcery i was sharing a little bit about that this morning uh with with one of us you know what the word for sorcery is pharmakeia and i worked for lily for 27 and a half years the word for sorcery is pharmakeia where we get pharmacy why because those things alter your mind. It alters drugs, alter your thinking ability and the ability to make proper decisions in life. If you have anything that has imbibed yourself to where you don't think good, you do things that you normally wouldn't when you have a rational mind. And the first thing about sorcery was to get their mind away from this world and connected with the other world so that they could then try to get connected and tell you things from a demon's side. So sorcery is is bad because we didn't realize that it comes from a word like pharmakeia. Um, The flesh and blood has problems with all of these things. Then you got the mental things of hatreds and envies and the different things. Man, all of these things are at war with us. What we have to do to have a harvest is in the next couple of verses, if you're there. Starting in verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Got that one covered. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's. Now here's the key. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh and all of those passions and desires. And we try to live in this spiritual realm. Where we walk in the spirit with peace and love and joy. Let us not become conceited. That's a part of that sparrow syndrome. Not provoking one another or envying each other. The fool walks according to his folly and according to his flesh. But those who are wise walk in the spirit and are led by these things. And let me emphasize something here as as we're going through this. In no way, and what I'm saying is easy to do. We've had this flesh all of our life. The desires of it, the things of the world, it's not easy to overcome. 
It's not a one and done. Oh, I became a Christian and now everything's easy. No, the battle is now really on. Because every day it says that these things are contrary to one another. So every day you're going to have this battle going on with you. Something is going to try to poke you, to prod you. Satan and all of the enemies of darkness knows your characteristics. They've watched you all of your life. Why did that image pop up here? Why is that show on there? Why is this song on now? On and on. Why is this person crossing my path today? There is always a war going on between your flesh and your spirit. How do you check that? How do you do it? We strive for the fruits of the spirits and not the things of the flesh. We keep our mind focused on the good things there and not on the bad things. What do you have to do with a horse? What do you have to do with a mule? You know, it says that there's a whip for the horse in verse 3 of Proverbs 26. There's a whip for the horse and a bridle for the donkey and a rod for the fool's back. You've got to do what you do to a donkey and to the horse. You've got to whip those things into submission. You've got to bridle yourself to be led by the Spirit. You don't just lead a horse automatically, do you, Eddie? Horses and mules and donkeys are born to be a little wild and very hard-headed and stubborn. Just like me. A little wild, a little hard-headed, and a little stubborn. And to, to be able to go where I'm supposed to go, you either got to whip every once in a while, you got to break the horse first. That's when you come to Christ. And then you got to put a bridle in your mouth. you got to be led by the Spirit to do these things. It is not easy. And God knows that. And that's why He is also patient. Long-suffering, loving, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. He understands our nature, and he's telling us what we do. 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, that's one of our chapters. 2 Corinthians 10, listen to verse 5. Cast down everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Isn't that what a bridle does? Bring every thought into captivity. Put your mind on the good things and not on, don't let it distract you. Pick your seeds like the sparrow's supposed to do and don't get distracted and easily annoyed and carried off. Keep yourself bridled in the Word of God. So as... Worship team comes on back up and we close this out. Man, it's not easy. In no way. We, our flesh is like sparrows and swallows and horses and mules. And that's why there's so many references to it. But we've got to change who we are. We've got to throw out all of those fleshly lusts and desires. Fill our mind with the word of God, which is the manna of life for the spiritual being. And brighter ourselves and follow it.
The Spirit rolled everything in here after he searched the mind of Christ and he gave it by inspiration to folks to write to us to tell us how to live and to walk. Pray diligently for yourself, for your family, and for all of us as a body of Christ that we can all walk and be bridled in this way and learn to follow the things of the Spirit and not of the things of the flesh. Seek joy, peace, love, long-suffering, gentleness, and here's the key word to all of it, self-control. Self-control. Always keep your hand on that. And I pray this week that as you go about your walk of life, that maybe you'll see a sparrow. I know I'm going to see a swallow. He's in my barn every day, in my garage. But as we, as we see those things, in a horse or a donkey, let it constantly remind you of this, and the fruits of the Spirit, and the way that we're supposed to be, and pray that we don't give in to anything else. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that you have such a knowledge of us that you give us these things to help us because you love us so. And you don't give us these things to make us feel upset or guilty, but you give them to us in love that we can wipe all of that away and that as we follow you, that we will have a better life, but we will also have a harvest, not only in eternal life with you forever, but also in this walk of life so that if we are led by the Spirit and if we walk in your path and your ways, then our harvest of those that we come in contact with will be wonderful. There will be no snow this summer and there will be no rain at this harvest, but we will bear fruit for you in Christ. And thank you, Lord, for your patience and your love. As speaking for myself, I'm a work in progress. And so thank you for loving all of us and caring for us and giving your son as our sacrifice for sin. In Jesus' name, amen.